0: I say this every week, and I mean it. I'm glad that you're here today. Really grateful that you have decided to worship God with us. And last week, Pastor Dan picked up, excuse me, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Dan kicked off a new message series called Counterfeit. And some of you probably, most of you probably know what counterfeit is, but I looked up a definition of it. A counterfeit is an item that uses someone else's trademark without their permission. By making or selling a counterfeit, criminals seek to profit unfairly from the trademark owner's reputation. Another way of saying it is it's a product that looks and feels like the genuine, like the real thing, except it's not. People settle for counterfeits because they want to look like they have the real thing, but they don't want to pay the price for the real thing. How many people want to look like they have a genuine, authentic relationship with Christ but settle for the counterfeit because they don't want to pay the price? We're going to dive into that thought this morning. Last Sunday, Pastor Glenn Reynolds preached an incredibly challenging message called How to Survive the Worst. He shared very vulnerably about the loss of his uh, 24-year-old son one day before his 25th birthday, uh, died unexpectedly and suddenly. And if he would have had a counterfeit faith on that day, he wouldn't have made it through. But because his faith was genuine, then he was able, then it was able to get him through. If you missed last week or the previous week's message, I'd encourage you to go online to crosspointwaverly.com. Find us on Facebook or YouTube or take a listen on Spotify. We exist as a church to help inspire and equip people to give their whole lives to Jesus, to grow in their relationship with him and others and go tell the world the good news In order for us to grow in our relationship with him, in order for us to have an authentic relationship with him, he has got to be primary in our life. In order for us to grow in our relationship with him, we have to order our lives correctly and put God at the center and the first. Then we'll begin to experience the true joy that God desires for us. Two weeks ago, Pastor Dan shared about how Paul was in prison, while he was in prison, there were two women who, who were very influential in the church who were fighting. It was very public what was happening, and he pleaded with some friends to help stop that. And, uh, and then on top of that, the church was facing hostility from the outside and persecution from the outside. And Paul pins these words. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. In the midst of all that was happening, these were the words that he pinned to them. He could do that because the real source of joy in life is through Jesus and nothing else. And when we tap into that source, it will lead to right praying and right thinking and right living, which enhances and sustains the joy that we find in Christ. The enemy makes the counterfeit look really good. When I was in high school, there were some kids that went to New York City and uh, they purchased some counterfeit sunglasses to bring back to the poor saps at the school and sell those there. And some of you might go, did you? And I said, yes, wholeheartedly, I totally rocked some Folklies. Yeah, for those of you who are like, what are Folklies? Folklies are fake Oakleys. Yes, I rock the counterfeit Folklies. How many of you also rock the counterfeit? Yeah, I see your hands up all across. Jesus, forgive them, forgive them, bless them. Why did I buy Folklies? I bought them because I wanted it to look like I had the real thing, but I didn't and couldn't pay the price to have the real thing. And no matter how good those sunglasses looked or felt, the one thing that they couldn't do was fool me. I knew that they were fake. I knew that I was a poser. No matter how real they look to others, you know that they aren't. And on the inside, you know they aren't real and you can't do anything to ignore that or forget that knowledge or negate those feelings. In terms of our Christian life, oftentimes we willingly or unwittingly fall for a counterfeit. When we fall for the counterfeit, we're nothing more than a poser. Would you look at your neighbor this morning and say, Don't be a poser? Don't be a poser. I bought the Folklies because I couldn't afford the real thing. Can I propose to you this morning that as costly as an authentic relationship with Jesus is, it's more costly to settle for the counterfeit. The counterfeit is something we think will satisfy our deepest desires, but it can't. Only God can do that. There are carrots that are dangled in front of us. If you could just get this job or if you could just get this promotion or this degree or this relationship or this amount of money and the list goes on and on, then then you would have true joy. But those things are simply counterfeits. As good as they look, they don't lead to lasting joy. For those of you who've settled for the counterfeit, you've settled on trying to find ultimate joy in things or people. On the outside, maybe it looks like you've found it or you have it, but on the inside, just with like with the fake Oakleys, you know. You know that it's not there. Ultimately, things break, or you want new things, or relationships end, or someone does something that hurts you. There's this implicit idea with with a counterfeit. There's some deception going on, and and when we talk about our spiritual lives, some of us would insist that God is number one in our lives, yet our lives tell a different story. When we think about our attendance to church, when some would think that it's been a month since you've gathered with God's people, and yet you've convinced yourself that he's first and that it's a priority in your life, but your lifestyle says something different. When you say that you're a follower of Jesus and that you're living your life in obedience to his word, yet your lifestyle would portray something different, you've settled for a counterfeit. This morning we're going to look at how true joy is not found in our possessions or our occupations or our livelihood or hobbies or toys or extracurriculars, but instead in a God who cares for us and provides for our needs. In Luke chapter 14, verse number 12, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles or scroll in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But Jesus uses the setting and the actions of others to teach about the kingdom of God. The parable here is a story of the kingdom of God and who will be present at it. The kingdom is described as in terms of enjoyment that it's going to be a feast and a great banquet. So Luke chapter 14, begin reading in verse number 12. It's also going to appear on the screen. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just, Another said, "'I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused.' And another said, "'I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come.' So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servants, "'Servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame.' The servant said, "'Sir, what you've commanded has been done, and still there's room.' The master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you make your word come alive to us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. The beginning of Luke chapter 14, there's the story of Jesus healing a man on the Sabbath. He's being closely watched by the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, and they were not pleased with his willingness to heal somebody on the Sabbath. He then goes on to talk about how when you're invited to a banquet, it's better to sit at the kid table and get invited to the guest to, to, to the table of honor than to sit at the table of honor and be invited to go sit at the kid table. Verse 12, he continues with some instructions. He said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus isn't forbidding families from gathering or having neighborly meals. The point that he's trying to portray here is don't invite people just so that you can get something in return. Now I'm sure that many of you run in much more elite circles than I do, and I'll just tell you that I've not one time invited somebody to come to my house for dinner in hopes, with the expectation, that they were going to invite me to a nicer meal at their house. And so maybe for some of you, you're like this whole banquet analogy isn't quite—it uh, doesn't quite work for you. Well, maybe there are others of your areas of your life that are more applicable. Maybe you manage your kids' friendships and hope that they'll get invited onto an elite athletic team or that somehow you can win favor with that their, their kid's dad so that your kid can be a starter or you make donations to causes you care little about in hopes that somehow it'll net you or your family something in return. And what Jesus is saying is don't do, uh, do any of this in, 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 in expectation of return, but instead do things for others that can't repay you. The Pharisees all presumed to be part of the kingdom of God, but they weren't. They refused to accept Jesus as the Messiah, and Jesus making this point in these verses that how we live reveals the authenticity or the lack thereof of our faith. He reveals that a selfish quid pro quo social life is not a kingdom life. The point he's making there is that joy fills our hearts when we do for people when they can't repay us. It's one of the things that that I love about Kingdom Builders. And for those of you who are new to our church, You're like, what in the world is Kingdom Builders? Kingdom Builders is our funding strategy for global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders. So through Kingdom Builders, through the generosity of people in our church, we give to missionaries who are literally in in multiple countries around the world. We give to missions organizations that are making an impact, and the reality of all of that is none of them are gonna move to Waverly. None of them are gonna do anything for us as a church. We don't give to those missionaries or those organizations. with any expectation of return. Instead, we do it out of obedience to God, right? To be part of the great commission, to go into all the world and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All of us aren't gonna pack up our bags tomorrow and go overseas, but we can make sure that we're part of blessing and encouraging and resourcing those who are. I love kingdom builders that we're able to do for others with zero expectation of anything in return. We do it to please God. In verse 13, he says, When you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus is pushing back against elitism. Inviting to get is incredibly self-focused. And Jesus is interested in us being others-focused. We need to be people who reach out to others who can't benefit us. After Jesus invites the guests for seeking the, excuse me, after Jesus insults the guests for seeking the seats of honor, after he insults the host for only inviting his rich family and friends to come, he goes on to share this parable in verse number 16. And the parable goes like this, that this man threw a great party. He sent out, he sent out save the date cards to so many people about this banquet that he was going to throw and one day he sends out the servants to bring everybody in to this party that he had already sent out the invites to and they had accepted. And so he lets them know. He says, he says Joy Mummothi and Stephanie Freeze have all the decorations up. It's beautiful. It's ready to go. Any of you who've shown up to a sisterhood event know, uh, know what I'm talking about with that. Any of you who've shown up to a Men of Iron event don't know anything about that. Joy stopped at the Men of Iron event this past, whenever it was, a few weeks ago, and she was like, how can you men even meet like this with no decorations? Joy, it's just fun. We are just fun. And so the servants say the decorations are ready and Jim and John White and their crew have the barbecued smoked meat. It's all ready to go. Tom Wheeler's got the dance floor set up and he's gonna be rocking it and Pastor Levinsky's bringing the live music and entertainment. This party's ready. Like we're ready for you. Come on in. And as these messengers go out and share that instead, they're met with excuses of why they're not gonna show up. The first one says, I've just bought a field. I need to go and walk it. The second one said, I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I need to go take a look at them. Would you look at that? Just look at them. Look at those oxen. You wouldn't think to look at them before you buy them. You'd look at them when there's a great banquet. Just look at that. Y'all finally laughed at something I did. I'm really proud of myself. It worked in both services. Here's another place you can laugh. The third one said, I've just gotten married and she won't let me come. (laughs) The servant goes back to the master and he says, look, nobody's, nobody's coming. Can you imagine being the messenger looking at the master and saying that? And the master's like, come on, what well, did you tell them that Stephanie and Joy have the decorations done? Yes, we we told them that. Did you tell them that the white brothers have the barbecue smoked and ready to go? Yes, we told them that. Did you did you tell them that Tom Wheeler's gonna be in his Richard Simmons outfit tearing up the dance floor? That would have got him. That would have got him. Yeah, did you tell them Pastor Levinsky's got the music ready? Yeah, we told them all of that. They're still not coming. (laughs) I'm going to pay for that one. The second part of verse 21, the master says to his servant, go quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. And the servant said, yeah, we we thought about that. We're a step ahead of you. We've already done that, and there's still room. In verse 23, he goes out. He says, go to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. The master's gone through all the work to throw this party for everyone, and people were giving excuses as to why they couldn't go. In Revelation, we read about the marriage supper of the Lamb in in chapter 19, verse number 6. It says, I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Believers in Jesus, not ones who have just settled for the counterfeit, are all given an invitation to this banquet. The invitation from Jesus is not only for eternity, but now to feast at his table. An authentic relationship with him leads and, and an invitation to that table is a table of help and rest and friendship and victory over self and control of passions. It's a feast of real joy and real life and real hope. It's an invitation to not look inside yourself for the answers, but instead to look outside yourself to, to a God who's infinitely more wise and more powerful than we could ever be. It's an amazing table that we've been invited to. Jesus gave his life for all people. And in this parable, everyone is invited. The only ones that are excluded are those who have refused the invitation. And just like in this parable, there are all of us have been given this invitation, yet people snub their noses up at God, preferring a visit with their hobbies or their profe- possessions or their affections. Hobbies, possessions, and affections are not inherently bad. In fact, I would say that in some of those things that we can actually be recharged and refreshed and that we can see the glory and the majesty and the splendor of God. Where it becomes a problem is when our possessions and affections are priority, and they become excuses to turn down Christ's feasts. And when this happens, our thinking is skewed and our souls are in danger. This party, this banquet, that people were given an invitation to was a really big deal. They accepted the first invitation and then gave super lame excuses when the second invitation came. Who in the world buys a field without seeing it first? Who buys oxen, who buys a car without first test driving it? And finally, the wedding most likely didn't happen last minute. They would have known that they were getting married. They could have refused the first invitation. But that was the excuse that he wanted to use. And the bottom line is this, is they just didn't want to go. They didn't want to be a part. If they really wanted to go, those excuses would have been eliminated because people find time for what they want to do. So let me put it this way. If, if, if some of you were given an invitation for an all-expense paid trip to the master's, Or an all-expense paid trip to the, the NBA finals or to the Super Bowl or a fishing trip in Canada, you would find somebody to tend the field. You would find somebody to feed the oxen. You would figure out a way. You would say, Honey, I know we just got married, but I really think it's time for you to go on a shopping trip. In fact, I think on this date, at this time, it would be a real, I'm just looking out for you, honey. Like, it's not about me, it's about you, it's these days, I think you should go do that. Oh, you're gonna do that? Great, by the way, right? Then you're going to one of these places. You would figure out a way to eliminate those excuses. Someone once said, you can make excuses or you can make progress, but you can't make both. You can make excuses or you can make progress, but you can't make both. Billy Sunday defined an excuse as the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. The person who's good at excuses is usually not good at anything else. The invitation to sit at the master's table and feast is a big deal. Christ paid the admittance. It cost Jesus everything to prepare the feast, pain and tears, flesh and blood, and he invites us to come. What will our response be? Will you go? Will you determine that you have higher priorities? Will your finances, will your business, will your sleep, will your occupations, will your toys, will your families be more important than the invitation to that feast? The parable ends with this very sobering admonition in verse 24. He says, for I tell you, none of those men who were invited Those who rejected the invitation, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. The masters extended his invitation to insiders and outsiders, those near and far. His desire is for a full house. And his desire for a full house is so great that he pleads for all to enter. But some still refuse, and they have only themselves to blame. Wiersbe in the Bible exposition commentary wrote, people today make the same mistake that the people in the parable made. They delay in responding to the invitation because they settle for second best. There's certainly nothing wrong with owning a farm, examining purchases, or spending an evening with your wife. He writes, but if these good things keep you from enjoying the best things, then they become bad things. The excuse makers were actually successful people in the eyes of their friends, but they were failures in the eyes of Jesus Christ. When we have a growing authentic faith, when we're growing in our relationship with the Lord, then we'll want to tell others about it. We'll want to go to the streets and the lanes of the city, the highways and the hedges, and compel people to come in. These are the words of Jesus, to do this so that my house may be full. That's his desire. The Lord's desire isn't that there would just be a select few in heaven, but instead that all would come to have everlasting life. That's his desire. And his extended invitation for all of us. What will our response be? Will we settle for the counterfeit? Or will we say, Lord, I want the authentic? I was sharing with Erica about this message, and she said this week that she read an article about how counterfeit is impacting the fashion industry. It's costing the fashion industry billions of dollars a year. And in that article, one of the things that it talked about is you have this genuine brand right here and then you have the counterfeit product right here. And people are buying the counterfeit thinking that they're buying the authentic. And when the counterfeit doesn't live up to the hype of the brand, then they're going to the brand's website and they're leaving reviews about how horrible that their product is and it's impacting the genuine because people were fooled by the counterfeit. And I just think about the kingdom of God and how God's desire is that all of us would have an authentic relationship with him, but yet so many people call themselves believers and they've settled for something counterfeit. They've, they've settled for I can live however I want to live. I don't have to bring my life into alignment with this word and somehow I'm still going to make it to heaven. Can I tell you that's a lie from the pit of hell. That's somebody who settled for the counterfeit. And what's happened is we have churches around our nation and around the world that are preaching a counterfeit gospel. We have people in the building and and those who are watching online who are saying that I've got the real thing, but yet they've settled for the counterfeit and it's impacting the real thing. Can I encourage all of us, let's have a genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus. Let's say that we can't settle for anything less. God, I want the mark and the power and the presence of your spirit living in my life. I don't want compromise or sin. I don't want the authentic, but God, I want the genuine. God, I don't wanna settle for being half in. I don't want to negotiate the minimums with you, but Lord, I want to walk in a life that's holy and pleasing to you. I want righteousness and holiness to mark my life. God, I want my relationship with you to be so authentic that the only thing that I want to talk about is not me, but instead what you've done in me. Can you imagine what it would look like for all of us in every season of life to hunger and thirst for righteousness and for a genuine, authentic relationship with him, that bonds bonds of addiction, that bonds of sin would be broken and that people would walk in freedom, that those who are closest to you would look at you and say, what in the world has happened to you? And for you to say, man, I've encountered Jesus and he's changed my life. What was that quote earlier? You can make excuses or you can make progress, but you can't make both. Today is a day for some of you to lay down the excuses and to start making progress. The invitation is for all. I'm gonna ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior. And you say today, I wanna to enter into a relationship with him. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him and you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. Maybe there are others of you in this room who who settled for a counterfeit and you say, today God, I want the authentic, I, the, the counterfeit's not going to do it anymore. When I count to three, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three. Lift them up all across this room. One, two, three, four. You can put them down. Are there others this morning? Thank you, God. Five, you can put it down. Are there others this morning? Thank you, God. Let's all stand. There were at least five hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. If you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. And know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear heavenly father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning, I need your forgiveness. Give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what He's done this morning. Thank you God. If you raised your hand and prayed that prayer, we'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319. 319- Again, text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We want to encourage you in the decision that you've made today in the journey that God wants to take you on. You could also scan the QR code in the seat in front of you and fill out the I Decided card. We leave time at the end of each of our services for people to receive prayer. In just a moment, the prayer team is going to make their way up to the front on both sides of the stage. And if you've come here today needing prayer for anything, the worship team is going to lead us in a song. And as they do, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat this morning and come and receive prayer. I'm going to pray over us. Worship team is going to lead us in that song. Prayer team will be up here at the front. I'd encourage you to step out of your seat. God, we thank you so much for your word and for your desire for us to have a relationship with you. God, we thank you that you paid the ultimate price for us so that we could have a relationship with you that's genuine and authentic, that it's not some, some knockoff or some counterfeit, and that through that, Lord, that you can bring about great transformation and joy to our lives. Lord, I pray this morning for those that have settled for the counterfeit, that today that blinders would be lifted off of their eyes, that there would be a spirit of conviction so strong in here for for sin, Lord, that it would lead to repentance this morning, that people would would repent before they ever even walk out the doors today. Lord, I pray for all of us that, that there would be a commitment to never settle, but instead to chase after that authentic relationship with you. Lord, we pray that you would mark our lives with the power and the presence of your spirit and give us opportunities this week to go from here and to tell others of your love that you have for them. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.